Well, uh, if you've had your ear to the ground or read some of our emails lately, you will know that today marks um, a new beginning at Grace Presbyterian Church. I confess as your pastor that this day should have come years ago. From this day forward, Grace Presbyterian Church will be known for what all churches throughout the globe should be known for, being faithful to heed our calling to be disciples who make disciples. We've spent over three years developing this program with a curriculum, and we spent the last nine months training up discipleship leaders for the groups. And in just two Sundays, you will be able to join your brothers and sisters at Grace Church on this journey. You'll be able to join a grace group, which will be your weekly discipleship group in which you will encourage and challenge and um, hold each other accountable, where you will grow and mature as Christians. And so this morning, we must wrap our heads around this truth. If you are a Christian, then you have a calling from Christ, and not just to believe the gospel, but be a disciple. What do you think about that? Sounds pretty challenging, huh? Well, that is what we'll look at this morning. We have two texts for our passage, um, for, our, for our sermon today. The first is from the very beginning of Mark's gospel, where Jesus calls some men to follow him into discipleship. And then we fast forward three years, and we're at the end of Matthew's gospel, a familiar passage where Jesus commissions the disciples he has trained to go themselves and make disciples. So first, Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 14. Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Passing alongside the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat, mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. And then Matthew 28, beginning in verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the end of the age. This is the word of God. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. If we want to know God, we want to know his will. If we want to know his way, then we must know his word. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that we have these scriptures. They show us clearly um, the passion that our Savior had for people, Um, not just saving people, but for growing people and sending them out. Holy Spirit, dwell in us richly now that we would process all that you've called us to be um, and give us the joy and the hope and the faith to follow through. Amen. 
A lot can happen in three years, right? On December 7th, 1941, uh, the country of Japan bombed Pearl Harbor and the United States of America was thrust into a war. For three years, everyone in the nation sacrificed and served. And in less than three years later, the Allies landed on the beaches of Normandy and delivered a decisive blow that brought an end to the war in Europe. And then not much later, the Japanese surrendered, ending the war in the Pacific. A lot can happen in three years. In three years, parents can conceive a child, give birth, coax a cute little smile, and see their child stand and walk to much applause. Potty training is optional, of course. A lot can happen in three years. In our two sermon texts, they, they, they cover roughly a three-year period of time. Our first passage is where Jesus calls, uh, first calls the disciples. He says, follow me, be my disciples. And then in our second passage, Jesus, it's three years later, he issued a final call, go and make disciples. Three years, a lot can happen in three years, especially when those three years are devoted to following Christ. Today, we will investigate Jesus' call to be disciples who make disciples. And we will look at Jesus' plan for discipleship and his pattern for discipleship. And hopefully, we will see that Jesus' plan, plan and pattern for discipleship remain to this very day. Now, if this is true then should we not be a people who are disciples, who make disciples? And if Jesus has called all who follow him to be disciples who make disciples, then we must consider truly how faithful we are with this calling. These next few weeks at Grace Church are vital. You will be challenged to embrace the life of being a disciple who in turn makes disciples. From this day forward, Grace Presbyterian Church in Watermill, New York, will be a church of disciples who make disciples. Now, I know at first this can sound kind of intimidating. <laughs> what do you mean by discipleship? What will, it, what will it look like? Is this really Jesus' desire for me? Do, do I even have the time? I'm so busy, you know. It may sound intimidating, and I do not want to sugarcoat it. As we'll see next week, there is a cost to being faithful in this area of discipleship. But listen, the fruit, the joy, the holiness, the contentment in God, the deep and vital relationships you will have, all of these things and more are worth it. At least that's what those first disciples came to understand. Jesus said, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men, disciples who make disciples. It is who Jesus called them to be, and it is who Jesus is calling us to be. And by God's grace and by our faithfulness, we will be the church that Jesus is calling us to be, faithful in our calling to be disciples who make disciples. And so today's sermon is titled, Heeding the Call to Be Disciples. Make disciples. 
And to this call, we must respond faithfully. We must heed the call to be disciples. As we look at that, we're going to divide our time in under two headings. First, we will look at the plan and then the pattern. First, the plan. And the big idea of this um, point is this. We must heed the call to be disciples because it is Jesus' plan for all of his followers. You know, a cool thing that, is, that exists now um, that movie directors and TV directors have at their command is, that, is the drone camera, right? You familiar with that? They're able to fly high above the scene and they give a bird's eye perspective on the story below. You know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, And some of the most compelling, beautiful shots that we see these days um, are from drone cameras. Now, for us to properly grasp Jesus' plan for his followers to to be disciples, who make disciples, it's important for us to, to power up our drones, so to speak, to get that bird's eye view of where discipleship fits in to um, God's overall plan um, for, for this world and for his people. And what we'll see is that being a disciple who makes disciples is to be at the center of our Christian identity. Otherwise, you will fall into the trap of thinking that Jesus came just to forgive your sins and then leave you as you are, where you are. For us to heed the call, we need to see how primary it is in the plan of God for our lives, where it fits into the bigger picture. See, your being saved is part of something bigger, the kingdom of God and your place in it. Look at Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand Repent and believe the gospel. It's beautiful. Jesus, the Son of God, left glory in heaven on mission to inaugurate the kingdom of God on earth. For for thousands of years, the enemy of God ruled the earth. And all of mankind had been held captive to darkness and death. And then Jesus came. Not that there wasn't a foothold already established. Long before Jesus came, God chose Abraham and called him to obedience and said that your offspring would be a mighty nation through whom all the other nations will be blessed. And from Jacob, Abraham's grandson, came the 12 tribes of Israel. But the history of God's chosen people is one of them slowly spiraling out of control and away from the Lord. But then when the time was right, God sent his son. Jesus lived the faithful and obedient life that the nation should have lived and that we, if we're honest, should have lived. And through his death and resurrection came and and, and out of the remnant of this nation of Israel came the church, the body of Christ. And notice that that Jesus called 12 disciples to correspond to the 12 tribes of of Israel. Out of the remnant of the nation, the church was born. And so Jesus proclaimed, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe the gospel. When he did this, he was calling people to recognize God's master plan, the plan that God was now doing in their midst God's kingdom is now here. 
turn and receive this good news of the kingdom. Repent, find forgiveness, and enter into the kingdom where Christ is now your Lord. God was acting decisively in time and space to undo what mankind was powerless to fix. See, repentance and belief in the gospel, we need to understand, it, it isn't an end in itself. Repentance and belief in the gospel is the door into the kingdom of heaven into which you enter and follow Christ. Christ has freed us to follow him. And to follow him means that we be disciples. That we submit our lives to the oversight and care of others who will help us grow and mature as Christians. That is what Christians are. We are disciples. When was the last time you heard uh, another Christian being referred to as a disciple? We, We tend to call each other what? Believers. Now we are believers. It's not a bad thing. We can still use that term. But people will say, oh, yes, I'm pretty sure he's a believer. Or, oh, I've, I've been a believer since I was 13. I'm sorry to say that believer is not the go-to word in the New Testament to describe Christians. Rarely in the Bible, or actually never, do you read something like this, while the storm raged. Jesus was asleep in the boat while the believers panicked. Now, the biblical word for those who have faith in Christ is a disciple. Believing doesn't make you just a believer. Believing makes you one who has entered into the kingdom of God, where Christ is your king. And those who follow Christ are called disciples. Faith in Christ is meant to start you on a journey of being a disciple who will one day make disciples. But churches have lost that focus. Instead, they focus on all kinds of good things. Understand, they're good things, but they're not the ultimate thing. So they'll focus on a pleasing worship service. They focus on sound biblical teaching from the pulpit or Bible studies or community service. Listen, these are all good things, and we're still going to do these at Grace Church, but they're not the ultimate thing. Going forward, we will prioritize the ultimate. We will prioritize discipleship. For this is Christ's calling upon his people from every generation. And just so you don't get confused and think that that Jesus' command was just for that first batch of disciples, notice how Jesus ends his calling. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. (laughs) So understand the end of the age hasn't come yet. Still could be another 2,000 years. Jesus is though still with us the church, as we heed his call to be disciples who make disciples. And we know from the First Thessalonian passage that Melanie read earlier that, that discipleship took place in the early church. There we read, you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. This is Paul and his partners are in Thessalonica and they're living out this gospel. They're, they're, they're discipling um, the people there. And And here's what he says. And you became imitators of us and who? The Lord. For you received the word in much affliction and with the joy of the Holy Spirit so that you became an example to all the others in Macedonia 
and Achaia. Paul went and discipled the people in Achaia who became imitators of Christ and who then went and became examples to as they spread this beautiful gospel throughout their community. Christian, your faith has brought you into his kingdom. And in this kingdom, the plan for all Christ's followers is that we would be disciples who make disciples. Now, has this opened your eyes to God's plan for your life? Are you eager to see how this looks? Well, let's turn from the plan to the pattern. And the big idea here is this. We must heed the call to be disciples by following Jesus' pattern for discipleship. And, 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 and we see this pattern in both of these passages kind of combined. And um, there's, there's five points to this pattern, five parts. First, Jesus called the faithful to be discipled. Jesus discipled those who had faith in him. We see this in, um, in the Mark passage, beginning in verse 16. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he called Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. God love them, fishermen. Oh. Uh, and Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Jesus called Andrew and Simon, Simon Peter, Peter to follow him. Um, and, then, and then going a little further, uh, there's James and John, the son of Zebedee, and John's brother, uh, who was John's brother, and, and they were in their boats. They were mending their nets uh, and immediately called them, and they left their father in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. Now, Jesus issues a call to the faithful to follow him so that Jesus can disciple them into what Jesus calls fishers of men. This is mature Christians who are now equipped to do with others what Jesus was about to do with them. And Jesus called them because, and they followed, why? Because they had Faith in Christ. Now, how do we know these disciples had faith? Well, from Mark's account, it's kind of hard to figure it out, right? Mark just writes so fast. He leaves out a lot of details. Um, He would make it seem like Jesus just walked up out of the blue to total strangers. uh, And he said, hey, um, what's your name? Okay. How about you guys come follow me for three years? Yeah, just leave it all behind. Yeah, you know, like just out of the blue. Like they didn't even know who he was. It's as if like Jesus was pulling some like Jedi mind trick on these uh, on these men. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. We will follow you to become fishers of men. Uh, that's not what happened. <laughs> the disciples knew enough of Jesus that they entrusted their lives to him. Take Andrew and Simon Peter for example. John in his gospel tells us that Andrew was hanging out with who. John the Baptist one day and some other disciple. And then when John the Baptist saw Jesus coming, he turned to Andrew and the other disciple, whose name we don't know, and he said, behold, the Lamb of God. And Jesus walks up to John the Baptist and Andrew, and Andrew calls him rabbi. And he asked where Jesus was staying. Where are you staying, Jesus? I got to hear some more. And Jesus invited Andrew to stay with him for the whole day. And then Andrew went home and told his brother, Simon Peter, we have found the Messiah. I relate this story to impress upon us that that faith precedes discipleship. 
Every one of those disciples that Jesus called, other than Judas Iscariot, of course, had some level of faith. They, they believed in Jesus. Oh, they had so much to learn still, right? We all know the stories. But their discipleship began in faith. So the number one pattern, so the, the, the first pattern, part of the pattern for us here at Grace Church is that we disciple those who evidence faith in Christ. You need not to know a lot. You need not to know a lot of theology or where all the books in the Bible are or even how to pray. All you need is faithfulness to enter into discipleship. Faithfulness is what brought those first disciples under the Lord's care. Faithfulness is the first part of the pattern. The second part is there is a leaving behind. Did you notice in the Mark passage that Jesus called two sets of brothers to follow him? But before they could follow him, they both left something behind. We read that Andrew and Simon left their nets and followed him. And that James and John left their father in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. You can almost hear Mr. Zebedee crying out as they're walking away. Now, boys, we got dinner at 6 o'clock. Don't be late. When Jesus calls you to follow him into the life of being a disciple, there is a leaving behind that must take place, which is why you must be faithful. It takes faith to believe that Listen, it takes faith to believe that, that following Jesus wherever he takes you is worth forsaking whatever you will need to leave in order to follow him. For some, it's fishing nets or family. What will it be for you? The third part of the pattern is that a disciple follows Jesus. It seems kind of obvious, right? couple aspects to this. One, today you and I cannot literally follow Jesus in the flesh, but Jesus knew this and he knew discipleship would be going on for many years to come. So he told his disciples, and behold, I am with you to the end of the age. Jesus also said to those very same disciples, you know, when two or more of you gather in my name, guess what? I will be there with you. Wow, what a promise. Jesus will be present in your grace groups. Also, the fact that Jesus' disciples follow Jesus, which seems obvious, means that we follow him, not the other way around. You know what I mean, right? How easy is it in the Christian life to live in such a way that we behave as if Jesus is following us around? making our dreams come true, fixing our little foibles, making us feel good about our self-centered lives. It happens so easily, right? Not just to me, right? It's you too, right? So the third pattern, part of this pattern is that we follow him. You know, when your discipleship leaders lead you, they are leading you as they follow Christ. And Christ will be in our midst. And Think us through. If we're honest, isn't it true that we need others up close with us so that we can keep following after Jesus and not following after our own little plans for our lives? 
The fourth part of the pattern is that the disciple, um, a disciple is, is one who's being changed by Christ. Jesus says, and I will make you. (laughs) Discipleship was and is the way Jesus makes his people. He shapes us, which is why Jesus commanded the disciples in our Matthew passage saying to teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. And this just isn't just theology, right? How do how do we live our lives? How do we forgive others? Well, you know, how, how, how do we walk faithfully in God's kingdom? This, this pattern of life on life, teaching that Jesus modeled and taught the disciples, they were to pass it along to the next generation. And, and, and that is what discipleship is. Jesus, look, Jesus maturing these disciples so that they become more like Jesus themselves then they go out and they repeat the process with faithful Christians who just happen to be a little younger in the faith than they are. Truthfully, becoming more like Jesus, this radical change that we are called to experience, necessitates the community of a discipleship group. In our grace groups that begin in a few weeks, we will commit to being changed in community. We will allow others to get to know us at a deep level. We will open up our hearts and share with others. We will hold one another accountable. And because Jesus is present in our midst, he will slowly make us more and more like him. The fifth part, number five, is this. The part of the pattern is this. Disciples are committed to the mission of Christ. I will make you become what? Fishers of men. The day before they were fishers of fish. I love fish. But, but starting that day, they had a new purpose in their lives. Jesus put them on the path of becoming fishers of men. They weren't there yet. They had at least three years to go. And they still had much to learn after Jesus left. But they were committed to Christ's mission. Jim Putnam in his book, Real Life Discipleship, writes, The cause of Christ is people. When we spend time with Jesus, when his Holy Spirit resides in us, we cannot help but care about what he cares about. And what is it that Jesus cares about? His people. People made in God's image, and yet they are far from God, and we need to fish for them. Listen, Jesus saved you not so you can be saved, but so that you would mature into a fisher of men, or women, or both. And now, let me ask you, just be honest. If, if you find right now that you lack enthusiasm for fishing for people, then that alone is reason enough for you to be the first person to sign up to be a part of a grace group. See, when we lack concern for that which matters most to Jesus, then it is a sign that we need him to disciple us. 
So this morning we've seen that we have a calling from Jesus Christ to be disciples who make disciples. And therefore we must be faithful to heed the call into discipleship. We have seen that Jesus has a plan. The kingdom of heaven, my friends, is here. It's at hand. And and so your life right now, it's no longer about you and your kingdom, but it's about Christ and his kingdom. And belief in Christ doesn't make you a believer, but a disciple. This is Jesus' plan, that all who profess faith in him would follow after him as his disciples. And Jesus modeled for us his pattern. We are to disciple those who profess faith. So whether you've been a Christian a short time or a long time, if you have faith in Christ, you must be faithful to follow him into discipleship. And yes, there will be something for you to leave behind. Maybe it's your pride that's causing you to think you don't need to be a disciple. I've been a Christian a long time. I've kind of done this on my own. I've had a few mentors, but I'm good. Or maybe it's, maybe it's your comfort. You like to unwind, and then unwind, and then unwind some more. Or maybe it's your idol of being the idyllic parent that causes you to think that you can't leave your kids for even just one night a week. I don't know what it is for you, but you will have something to leave behind to follow Jesus into discipleship. And in discipleship, we follow Jesus. You cannot follow Jesus in isolation. It's true, isn't it? Each of us, we're blind to our own weaknesses and our own sins. Or if we're aware of them, we don't want anybody to find out or come near us. We're afraid to be found out. We're like those bodybuilders who spend so much time marveling in the mirror at their upper bodies while they neglect their scrawny legs. We need people in our lives who, in love, get it? It's in love. It's not in criticism, but it's in love who say, you know, your walk with Christ in this area, you look a little bit scrawny. As your pastor, I can say to you that I need others to walk with me in this life of being a disciple. Don't you? We must follow after Jesus through deep community with other Christians. Yeah, I know it seems a little bit scary being vulnerable and open to others. That's why you must be faithful in doing this to be a disciple. And as we follow Jesus in community, we become less and less like our old sinful selves, and we become more and more like Jesus. And as we grow as disciples, we find that we become passionate about that which Jesus is passionate about, other people. And we begin to live more and more on mission with Jesus. My friends, this is what our future holds at Grace Presbyterian Church. There's no turning back. This is a life that Jesus called those first followers into, and this is a life he calls all of his followers into. And it's a call that requires faith. So I want you to take the next few weeks to do some faithful 
soul searching. Meditate upon what you've learned this week as you receive a devotional uh, that you can use throughout this week as well. Prayerfully um, submit yourself um, to seeking the Lord's will in this. And maybe have a journal. Write it down. Take, take notice of all the excuses you come up with for not being a part of this. And as you allow the Holy Spirit to search your soul, pray that God would give you faith to be faithful. Faithful to heed the call of Christ to be a disciple who makes disciples. And then lay hold of the promise, this beautiful promise that Jesus has for all who faithfully heed his call. What is his promise? And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. My friends, a lot can happen in three years. I can hardly wait to see what happens here at Grace Church. May God bless Grace Church as we seek to be disciples who make disciples. Let's pray. Father in heaven, this is simultaneously glorious and scary. Glorious because we know we're we're not ignorant. We've heard it. We see it now. Our calling, not just to believe, but to enter the kingdom where you are king and we are discipled and where your kingdom flourishes because we're faithful in this area. It, it's, but it's also scary because it's hard being vulnerable. We like to hide. That's our tendency. And yet, where you are present, there is the permission and the possibility to be open and vulnerable. Um, we pray, Jesus, that you would change us here at Grace Church. Your spirit would fill us with this desire to be disciples who make disciples. Amen.